This podcast is produced on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabeg, Haudenosaunee, Wendat, Cree, and other Indigenous peoples. We are mindful of broken covenants and the need to reconcile with all our relations. Together may we care for this land and each other, drawing on the strength of our mutual history of nation building through peace and friendship, being mindful of the ancestors and generations to come. Welcome to the Intersection Hub podcast, where we are making connections, fostering collaborations, and building community through candid conversations. I'm your host, Kimberly McKenzie, and I'm so glad you found us. Dan Hanley is one of the nicest, most authentic people I know, and I'm so grateful to him for joining us in conversation today. If you don't know Dan, you're in for a real treat. If you do know Dan, you will know that this episode, as Dan would say, rocks. Dan spreads kindness everywhere he goes and is ecstatic to work with nonprofits to support their growth in relationship building and fundraising, especially those serving populations that include the unheard, forgotten, and invisible. For Dan, being of service is key. He loves the thrill of helping his clients to build true relationships with his donors that exceed fundraising goals. Dan's family includes his husband and three rescue dogs. He is a veteran of the U.S. Navy, is bilingual, fluent in both English and Spanish, and he loves his work diving into all things fundraising and leadership with some of the most marginalized communities in the United States. In this episode, Dan opens up about the impact his sobriety has had on his life, and he inspires us with his kindness and his gratitude. Please join me in welcoming Dan to the Hub. Dan, welcome to the Hub. I'm so grateful for any time I get to spend with you. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Kimberly. I'm super stoked, super stoked to be here. I've started saying that word since I've come to know you. (laughs) My children kind of laugh at me, but I think it's an amazing word. So um, yeah, so I look forward to those who don't know you for the listeners to have an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better through this conversation. And maybe Mm. let's just start with chatting about how you identify today and, and how you came to do the work that you do. Sure. So my, um, I fir- I think I first and foremost identify as a loving, honorable husband who gives a shit about the world around me <laughs> and who every day with every breath tries to make the world a better place. Um, and so that's what I do in my personal life. In my professional life, I try to take that same passion mm-hmm. or thought pattern um, into being a nonprofit fundraising consultant um, with Altrui, my my um, consultancy, and um, and and with each breath and each moment and each client, work with people who are making the world a better place. As I see, I want the world to be better. Um, and I've been in the nonprofit world uh, in fundraising, leading fundraising and development teams for the past. Um, 12 or 13 years. And um, a few years ago, I decided that I wanted to do more. And I I really, instead of just working for one nonprofit that I'm super passionate about and that I love their work, 
Um, now I get to work with on a monthly basis, seven or eight or nine doing particular work. And so all of which I love, I love their missions. I love their leadership. I love how they see the world and what they want to do to make the world better and safer for people and animals. Mm -hmm. So tell me how, how did you, how did you come to fall into the charitable sector? Why aren't you a, a banker or a chef or something else? Sure. Sure. So, um, a uh, chef, maybe that kind of interests me, although my husband's an awesome cook. So I have that that part covered. I eat very well. Um, I so I began um, in the U.S. military, in the U.S. Navy yeah. and um, uh, got out, did some playing around with, you know, just different odd things. Um, ended up uh, getting a scholarship to university in Colorado, uh, the University of Colorado at Denver. And then um, I in that in the world I was in then I was in the hotel catering and sales arena. So I, I planned events for people, and they could be a meeting, they could be um, a convention Wedding. conference, yeah. anything weddings, I did weddings, which were fabulous. Um, and then um, one day, um, out of the blue, a friend of mine who uh, was the CFO of an organization, a nonprofit, called me and said they were looking for a new director of development and asked if I would put that out to my Rolodex. And I said, sure, sure. So he was going to email me information. And then the next day he called me and said, would you be interested in this position? And I was like, no way. I, I want to make some money. Like I want to, I, you know, my, my vision of what the nonprofit world was a little, a little different. And I was very much focused on myself, um, mm -hmm. on, on wanting to just at least make enough money to do whatever I felt I needed to do at the time. Um, but then I talked to my husband about it, who, um, this is a small, um, HIV AIDS organization in Boulder, Colorado. Um, they do uh, like Boulder and then the rural areas around. And my husband was like, well, just remember Felix, right? And I'm, and I was like stunned that he said that, but Felix was my best friend who died of HIV AIDS on um, July 6th of 1992, um, 30 years ago um, this year. And, um, and I started thinking that about that. Really, you know, just to take a moment, I've worked in this space as well, the HIV AIDS space for a few years. And that 1992 was a pretty dark and scary time. It was, it was dark and scary. And, you know, you just keep Count adding the people right. you loved or knew oh, or worked God. with. Um, uh, yeah. So I, um, I thought about it. I talked to my friend, I set up an interview. I met with the executive director and I'd never done nonprofit <laughs> fundraising before, but I loved what they were doing. And um, I really believe in philanthropy, philanthropy, excuse me. I believe that, you know, we collectively can make a difference with our smaller or larger treasures, regardless of what we have, mm -hmm. to, to see the world and create a world that we envision and want to be in and want to be a part of and feel safe in mm -hmm. and so um i was offered the position i said yes 
And before you knew it, I was the newest director of development at Boulder County AIDS Project, which I still, Mike and I still donate to. They're still doing great work. And you're still with the same husband, like all these yes. years? Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. So there's um, a really interesting thing that happened there. You were in it to win it. And then your husband uh -huh. said, just remember Felix. Yeah, yeah, he did. And we moment. talked about it a lot. Yeah. And 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 not then just like you brought up, Kim, Kimberly, you don't uh you remember one person and then all of a sudden you're back into that time, the late 80s, early 90s. And they were awful. They mm -hmm. were awful. And um, all you could do was show up as a friend, whatever you need, a ride to the hospital. Um D cooking cleaning um what you know mowing your lawn walking your dog just really just taking care of people that you love and doing anything you can possibly do for them mm -hmm. as they lose their battle to hiv aids and um in the year that felix died over forty-four thousand mostly gay men died of HIV AIDS just in the US. I, I don't know the numbers in Canada, but it, um, it's so important to mm -hmm. remember that time and to learn from the experiences of that time. I so agree. You were in the Navy. Yep. And you were working in a hotel. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you transitioned into a purpose driven career. And you Definitely. didn't even know it was a thing and that you could pay a mortgage with it, which is wonderful. Right. Yeah. Right. You're exactly right. Yeah. So one of the things I really admire about the work that you do, the little that I know, is you seem to share a value that's very important to me, and that is purpose before profit. Mm. It seems to me like you embody that and that that Ultrai, now I could be wrong, but Ultrai is completely set up to be very specific about the purpose of your agency. Do I have that right? Oh, definitely, definitely. We we work in a very, I mean, I think a pretty tight realm. Sometimes when I'm talking about it, people will be like, well, that's a lot of different spaces. Um, and they are, but um, compared to all of the missions, all the nonprofits, everyone doing good work out there, my circle is, to me, is pretty small and very specific. So it's definitely human rights and animal rights are the top, mm -hmm. the top tiers. And then from that flow, um, animal cruelty, veganism, um, uh any groups working in those realms and that could be a uh animal shelter it could be an animal sanctuary mm -hmm. um and then on the human rights end um domestic violence sexual assault domestic abuse all of those in in one um that is probably at my top um or and tied with Im immigration and refugees which i do a lot of work in those arenas mm -hmm. and then um you know inclusive into human rights i have um youth who are unhoused and um people who are hungry who mm -hmm. who um who don't have enough food to eat 
And so um, these are these are I'm super passionate about these, but I'm passionate with purpose. Like I'm just not saying, oh, I really want to help the next survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to make sure that the next survivor one knows that there's a way out, mm-hmm. knows that there's an entire community of people there for them to keep them safe, to bring them justice. And so that they can move on from whatever awful situation they're in. And and you and I both know there are thousands of awful situations right now mm-hmm. um, that that hopefully a survivor can walk away from with their kids, with their companion animals and get away from the violence and and start a new life. And so what my you know what one of my favorite clients does is that they provide free legal service to any survivors most of them are women most of them are immigrant women and they um the the legal service it means a badass attorney standing next to you in court and right. and and that changes everything changes everything for the survivor so that's you know and then as you know i i office one week a month or every other month in tijuana i'm headed there on tuesday and i um i look forward to being just surrounded by activists and and people really wanting to make a difference in people's lives who who fled who took whatever they could carry with their kids with their companion animals just to be safe Mm -hmm. um and tens of thousands of them are at the border applying or trying to apply for asylum um so that's that's kind of where 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 i'm i'm at i used to say that i i really want to be there for the voiceless and people with nothing and and sometimes that's the case i mean um but in, in all of the survivors and refugees that i've i've met um they do have a voice um or they had a voice it was just ripped away from them brutally ripped away so um that's what i get to do all day every day i get to work with organizations that are making the world a better and safer place for these these populations of humans and other sentient beings so you said one thing there um you said the immigrants and the newcomers that you have met. So not all consultants would be that hands-on with the missions of their clients. Um, What is it about you that's a little bit different in how you approach your work? Oh, sure. So I should back up then because um, a lot, actually all of the work I have at the border was because I first was volunteering there. So um, I I I love Tijuana as a city. I love the um, the types of activists um, in immigration and refugee work and human rights work and domestic violence work, for that matter, um, that are at the border working for refugees and immigrants. And um, so I I've been volunteering there long before I started Alteri. And then when I started Alteri, I had more time and I could work from anywhere. So I was down there. And then it just so happened that I never, you know, I didn't wear an Alteri T-shirt or a hire me. I'm a nonprofit fundraising consultant. Mm-hmm. I just did my thing as a volunteer. And then out of the blue, one day I get an email from the directors of uh, one of the organizations I work with. 
or uh, volunteer with. And they wanted to um, have a meeting with me um, to talk about fundraising consulting. And I had never brought it up. Mm. So they so they looked me up, looked this up, saw my website, looked at my blogs and my videos, and they decide and they knew me, but they just didn't know this is what I did. So that's then I then of course once you work with somebody and they're having really good results and good impact with your work, then they talk about you. Right. And then, you know, then it just all happens. And, and because they're in that, you know, doing asylum, serving refugees, serving immigrants, the people they're talking to are doing the same thing or similar work. Mm -hmm. And so then I get to continue to work with the, the type of organizations that I want to work with. Um, how do you make your consulting accessible to these small organizations? Because I'm assuming, I'm assuming many of them are small grassroots local organizations. They are, they are small. Um, some of them are local. I mean, um, the domestic violence group, they just serve LA County. Um, the, the refugee immigration groups, they serve the border, mostly Tijuana, but some in Mexicali, mm -hmm. um, which is just further east. Um, and so what I, what I always start out with is that, um, I wish I could fundraise for my favorite nonprofits for free or little, but this is, this is my business after all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I do is um, I'm very upfront about, about my price structure and why the price structure is, is for some people it's high, for some people they're like, oh, like I thought it would be much higher than that. Right. Um, but I also, um, I did this a lot more when I began almost four years ago, but a little less now just because of time, but I always um, avail myself to nonprofits um in my realm who just want to talk something through who don't see the light at the end of the tunnel who are exhausted mm -hmm. who really just want you know some consulting around fundraising but really somebody just to listen to that isn't on their board that isn't on their staff that is separated from them and maybe they can get some advice. So it's kind of like fundraising, consulting, a little therapy, yeah. even though I have no background in that, to be very clear. Um, so I decided to offer right away from the beginning, a dollar a minute. Um, and you can do up to two hours. Right now, I really try to just do one, um, but it's a full inclusive work session for $60 for an hour, um, which is um, a lot less than what I typically charge. Um, but I do that a couple times a week just so that I can support nonprofits that don't have the means to hire me, but yeah. could really use a boost. And so when you sign up to do the 60 minutes, you get a questionnaire from me so that the second that we start, we're working. Mm -hmm. We're working through your urgencies, your fears, um, and, and we may even have some type of plan created by the time we hit our 60th minute. Yeah. Um, we, I have a 100% deep gratitude feedback from people who have done this. Yeah. You know what I love about it, Dan? Um, this dollar a minute, it's because 
yes, you make, you're giving back to the world and you're doing something positive. You're also making your expertise accessible to folks who may not otherwise be able to tap into it. You can also give extraordinary value in one hour, but I think the most beautiful part of it is the dignity that that they are worthy of paying for this service. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah but- I, I, I totally get that. And I'll also add, Kimberly, that you know, even though my rates are way higher than that, if yeah. we're if we work on a, for example, a fundraising plan, a major gifts program, a recurring donor campaign, all of those are gonna pay my fee and then catapult a nonprofit at any yeah. level, especially a lot of these organizations I work with, which really do most of their fundraising online and via email. Um, and they have tens of thousands of people on their email list who have given 10 or 20 bucks over the past five or 10 years. And um, so the, the there is a great opportunity because what, what we know in fundraising is that um, people, 99.9% of people are not going to give if they're not asked. Right. So what's interesting to me about this is um and and maybe our listeners are a little bit surprised because we're we're talking a lot about your agency and in all due respect i just for other agencies that's not normally what we do on this podcast but i think your your model is so unique because you are so purpose-driven because you know exactly which lane you want to be in and everything you do is there to make to, to improve the lives of people around you. And you just emanate that everywhere you go. So I, I'm curious, Dan, are you, have you always been this generous of heart? Um. Oh, I don't know. I'm sure there are people out there who would say, what are you talking about? It's not generous at heart at all. I mean, I definitely have my moments. Don't get me wrong. You do. Um, Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. I mean, there are moments where I have to stop what I'm doing and go um, back to the garden or just, you know, just lay on the couch and have a couple of my dogs laying on me Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, just take a walk with my husband or go out to dinner or call a trusted friend and say, hey, I'm I I was in a meeting and I, I, I didn't react this way, but I I I felt this way and I I need to talk this through. I don't know what's happening. Um, I also am fortunate that I have um, a long time ago, I put the drink down um, Mm -hmm. because I was an an active alcoholic losing my life and I got sober. And and so I have that program of other people who are sober um, constantly trying to do better. and I have that that support network. And and lastly, Kimberly, I think that for in my head and in my heart of hearts, regardless of whether I'm expressing it the right way or doing the right work or whatever, I believe in the intrinsic value of every human being. And of course, for me, every sentient being, every animal living, breathing, and any any being that can feel pain and fear and harm. Um, 
and and I really do my best. I don't always succeed, but I do my best to see how can I be a part of helping mm-hmm. helping living beings that that have all their all of the honor that I can give them. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what they look like, whether they pray or not, what their gender is, where they live, what their class system is like just just that they have value just because of who they are and that helps a lot in this business it helps a lot so i think part of that dan i'm thank you for talking about your sobriety because i wasn't going to introduce that but since you did sure (laughs) and and because we do have i've written about this before you know the the alcohol culture in the charitable sector is quite harmful For many people so right we've talked more, about it you know yeah, the more we could talk about that i think the better there's also a process that there's a shift people make when they stop drinking or start drinking less um because it can be a rabbit hole of darkness so when you crawl out of that rabbit hole of darkness um there's a process where you start to find compassion for yourself and you start to see the world a little bit differently. Is that an experience that resonates a little bit with you? And do you think it's <laughs> anything to do with how you approach the world now? Yeah, I mean, it may. I, I like, I was just talking about this earlier this morning. I like, I would like to think that before I got sober, now I was just self consumed in addiction and alcoholism I, I i just was consumed with how do i get that next drink or it's you know it becomes just all about me how do i survive this mm-hmm. um i would like to think that even in my darkest moments while drinking that i still cared about other people that i still wanted to make the world a better place um i'm not sure if that resonated out in the world i, I doubt it did but but you know now um I mean, we're talking um, 36 years later since I've had a drink mm-hmm. now um, through through years of, you know, getting sober and staying sober and doing whatever I need to do on a daily basis to stay sober. Um, certainly the desire to drink is long gone. And I could sit with you and your husband and my husband and the three of you could be having a glass of wine and I'm totally OK with that. And I feel 100 percent comfortable living in the world. Yeah. Um. But I just think I constantly grow and I constantly learn. And and the less I live in ego and self and the more I can be of service, mm-hmm. the just the better it is. And um, and I love that life. And I love this life. I mean, Ultra, I will celebrate four years in October. And I have to pinch myself because I work get to work with amazing people, amazing organizations and have like just incredible experiences as we work together to build relationships for these organizations that inevitably lead to um, grow, growing their programs and growing their fundraising and and having more active boards and and having staff that that want to stay and want to keep doing the work there. That's that's an important part. Um, and I just want to say for any listeners who may be 
thinking about whether or not they get to drink alcohol today, the second they wake up in the morning for them to know that that normal, I don't mean normal, but a lot of people don't have that thought immediately. And that that might be an indication that they might want to talk to somebody about, about, um, because there is a much brighter, glossier world out there for sure. Yeah. Um, Dan, do you, do you strike me as somebody who might have a personal mission statement? And if, do you, do you have a mission statement? And if you don't, what do you think it might be? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I've, I've played around with different statements, like for ultra eye, because that's really my, my main focus these days. Mm-hmm. But I think, um, just, you know, being in the a world where I work with organizations that serve people that who may be considered the other, or, you know, people who, who are just not embraced by everybody else mm-hmm. um i think the the big thing for me is that at the end of the day w- was i kind and loving towards all mm-hmm. am i a kind person are my acts filled with kindness um and and so if that's part of a values you know i'm not sure but i'm constantly having to look within to make sure that I'm a kind and loving person and that I'm being of service and that I care about others. And then I'm out of self. Mm-hmm. And out of self. Yeah, for sure. That's a key. Because yeah. I mean, because we can spend all day thinking about what, you know, my needs and, and my lack of wealth, even though the, what I have today is 10 times more than a lot of the people being served Mm-hmm. by organizations that I work with and I have everything I have everything I could possibly want um or need I should say or need um mm-hmm. so I think it comes around kindness and and being of service and I also believe that um each one of us has the power to make the world a better place Mm. Uh, we, we really do in in whatever we're doing and certainly the people that you work with, the people that I work with, they're just on a daily basis. They live and breathe and sleep this stuff where, you know, I want to, I want to make sure that I can help this person or animal um, tomorrow and, and give it my best shot. Mm. I have no doubt that you are. Um, How do you, Working in the space that you work in and caring so much about about this work and the people who benefit from it, how do you, I'm trying to think about how to ask this question, how do you protect yourself? How do you protect yourself from not getting completely overwhelmed? Oh, oh, sure. So that's, um, that's a common question or common feeling for any activist. I mean, yeah. um, I remember when we lived in Colorado and there was still this big growth of, you know, cities and suburbia. And and of course, when you live in the West and and or the West of the U.S. Um, and you're in a city and you start just building that affects ecosystems, which in this case, 
you know, just killed probably millions of prairie dogs in, in awful ways. And I met people who have been doing this work to help prairie dogs and ecosystems for years. And, and they are, they get to this point with, I just can't, I, I can't survive like this anymore because it's just, it's kind of like being a caretaker for people with HIV AIDS in 88 and again in 89 and then 90 and it just keeps going and nothing changes and nothing gets better and and so there are avenues certainly through my sobriety my the the fellowship and relationships that I've created with other people other alcoholics other addicts those help and being in a truly honest kind honorable transparent marriage really helps because when I need somebody to talk to, mm -hmm. I can talk to my closest inner circle, but mm -hmm. I also can talk to my husband, mm -hmm. you know, easily, quickly. Um, and, and boom, the, the negative energy, the fear, the, the being consumed with self, the whatever is going on um, may still be there, but the way I'm feeling about it is a lot less mm -hmm. because I've just, I've shared it with somebody who cares about me and right. talked about it with them. And, right. and I think we all have those. We may not have, um, you know, a spouse or a significant other that we want to share everything with um, on a daily basis. Or um, we, But we have, you know, close inner circles of people that we can just, you know, take a break and shoot a text and say, hey, do you have five minutes, by the way? I just um, finished this meeting. I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. I'd love to just talk with a, a friendly voice, um, someone I feel safe with. And that makes all the difference in the world. You know, the way you say that, you make it sound like it's a very common and normal thing to do. But I'll tell you, I have coaching clients who think about whether or not to reach out like that for days before they muster up the courage to actually do that. So right. that, that, being vulnerable and seeking support for vulnerable moments is, I think, more rare than you might think. Mm. And and also being in a relationship for over 30 years um, with someone who you just trust and can lean on in that vulnerable way is also something that many people just just sometimes being in a marriage can be the loneliest place to be. Right. 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 And Kimberly, you just brought up something that I want to, um, I think, I don't know where I um, misspoke, but um, my husband and I have been together for 19 years. Oh, okay. He didn't know Felix. He just know. Oh, okay. Um, he, <laughs> didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't know Felix. He just knows how okay. I feel about Felix. Okay. Okay. Talk so about 19 years is still a long time. It, yeah, it feels good. It feels like some days it feels like we're just getting started. We're yeah. super stoked about it. <laughs> That's how I feel um, with my husband, actually. And it's been eight years. And it's like, when is this marriage going to start for real? Like, yeah. yeah, I agree. I'm with you there. Yeah. You there. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, part of that also, I think, speaks to your attitude of gratitude. And that sounds so simplistic, but your gratitude just for the abundant life that you live and the people that you have around you also is something that many of us can glean from and learn from, I think. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. I I mean, gratitude rocks. Yeah, um, gratitude am... rocks. Oh, Dan, you just came up with the title for this. <laughs> I gotta write that one down. <laughs> so, if this conversation were to end right now, what would be left unsaid? Um, I think we've said pretty much pretty much everything. I mean, um, we've covered that, you know, if, if you feel like you're an alcoholic, you don't have to, you don't have to drink. Mm -hmm. Um, if you feel you want to change the world, you can, Mm -hmm. can change the world that we all have power and a collective voice to make the world a better place. Um, I get, I guess if I may, I would just throw out lastly, just with my work in nonprofits and being in the nonprofit world for years before, treat your staff well, mm. don't throw people off the bus, mm-hmm. um, honor them. Um, there's something to be said about impeccable, honorable leadership mm. um, because your mission may be awesome, but the way you treat people may not be. Mm-hmm. And who wants to work for an awesome mission if at the end of the day you're being treated like crap? Yeah, um, so and we see that a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and um, and those those are my things, you know. And and to to those um, you know, working in the trenches in the arena um who are making the world a better place every day, I just send my intense love and gratitude. I mean, I I know a few of you through my work and through my passions, but people are waking up every day and all they want to do is serve. And um, I love that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you. I want, you know what I want to say? I want to say, I love you. Like, I, just, I love you, Kimberly. I just, I, I feel. And that's not the first time I've said it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, we're going to put your website and your LinkedIn um, profile in our in our show notes. And I'm sure if folks would like to get in touch with you, they'll they'll be able to find you. What is the best way? Where? How do you like hearing from people? Um, I love opening up my email and seeing email from people. So um, just emailing me at dan at altrui.org. And that's A-L-T-R-U-I dot org. Great. We'll put that in there. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Kimberly. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm super grateful. (laughs) I am too. Bye, Dan. Bye-bye. Dan, thank you so much for joining us in conversation today. Folks, remember to reach out to Dan. Add him to your network. He would love to hear from you. And thank you for spending time here today. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast so that we can keep fostering community and connection through conversation. And if you'd like to talk to me about this podcast, my coaching practice, or heck, even my puppies, I would love to hear from you. So do reach out. See you next time.